0: Hello, 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 you lovely, lovely people. Welcome back. It's the first episode of the Hurtwood Muse podcast for this calendar year. Not a new academic year, but a new calendar year. 2024, we are living in the future, people. It's actually happening. Um, I hope you had an excellent seasonal area, Christmas and New Year, and a comeback stuffed to the gills with brandy and butter and mints whatever else it is that you crazy cats eat over christmas and new year um we're starting with a sort of extremely ambitiously academic episode (laughs) with uh, natalia and apolia talking about crime and criminality in the context of their sociology studies at Hurtwood. so If you've got a test coming up um, and you've done nothing, then uh, you could do a lot worse than spend some time with these two crazy gals uh, in the cupboard uh, talking about all things criminal. Um, One of them, it's interesting, I like the sort of odd couple dynamic that they bring to proceedings. One of them has prepared loads of notes extensively and is going through it in a very systematic way. And the other one is diving into it headlong and using like raw intuition um, and also backed up by knowledge, but in a completely kind of unsystematic way. I'll leave you guys to figure out which one's which as we go through. I think they both have a lot to offer to the conversation. Before we begin that, though, just a couple of announcements. The first is that this term, Muse is going to start heavily promoting the Tower Poetry Competition. Again, you might remember if you went for this last year, it's a huge poetry competition run by uh, one of the oxbridge colleges the first prize is five thousand pounds the deadline is in february Uh, if you want more information um, just search tower poetry competition online and i'm sure that'll steer you in the right direction google or whatever other search engines are available Um, and the other announcement is just little reminders that if you want to get involved with the podcast we have a recording session every thursday afternoon in sp4 between sort of three and five do come along uh, just email me in advance and we can book in a slot so that you can record with a friend or whatever it is your subject of particular interest that you want to have a conversation about um, other than that without further ado we'll hand over to Natalia and Apolia talking about crime and criminality in the context of their A-level sociology studies take it away folks until next time bye Yay.
1: Photography, Photography. Photography. M-S-E Art call, M-S-E <coughs> <coughs> <Okay>, I'm ready. <coughs> Say hi! <coughs> Hello! Hello!
2: <laughs> this is Natalia. Hello! <laughs> and Napoleon. Hey! <laughs> and we're gonna do like a the night before sociology crime uh. Podcast. Right. We, we all, podcast. We all know
1: it. We have a test next morning. We had a week to prepare for it. Did we do anything? Absolutely not. So what do we do? We go and sit in the kitchen, make ourselves a very strong cup of coffee or a hot chocolate in Napoleon's case and try and pound all of the, the stuff into our brains. So if you were in that same situation, welcome and enjoy.
2: Exactly. So we'll start with media and crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, so first I have the media representations of crime. So it, it said that media gives a distorted image of crime compared to official statistics. For example, the media over-presents violent and sexual crimes. So the sociologist for that. Felson.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so what did he say? He was talking about dramatic fallacy and ingen- I- in- in- mm. ingenuity fallacy. That word, yes. N H fallacy. So, what, are the, what do those two words mean? Do you want to quickly give a recap? Dramatic fallacy, ingenuity fallacy?
2: Well, I know what ingenuity fallacy is like the image that you have, that you have to be smart in order to solve and commit crime. Mm -hmm. And for the age fallacy, it's basically that the media represents the criminals as older than they actually are because Mm -hmm. actual criminals are usually like young males. Uh, Other than that, I have for the representations of violent and sexual crime i have that didan and duffy say that 46 percent of media reports are on sexual violent crimes crimes but there it's only three
1: percent of police reports uh what i also have is that they exaggerate the risk of victimization meaning that the news will over over exaggerate how many people actually be, are affected by crime especially in more middle class areas because obviously especially old people will be then more scared to be the victims of crime which is yeah. another bad thing I don't want to be a victim of crime I don't want my my grandma to think that she's going to die some random stabbing I should so we talk about the evolution of crime reports oh I not have, have that. on that so
2: I have you should read that Re- your handwriting? with a German name Oh, Schlesinger und T- Tumben? Is that a B? Okay, I'll read it. Yeah, yeah. Schlesinger. Schlesinger. And Tumber.
1: Tumber. Tumber. So
2: they say that in 1960s, uh, in the news, the focus was uh, on murders and petty crimes. But in 1990s, so there was less interest in that because of the abolition of death penalty and because of the writing, uh, rising crime rates that led to crime having to be special.
1: Oh, so that's, like, because, like, so much crime is happening. So much sl- small crime is happening that basically nothing will get into the news unless it's massive. And so they'll take any news that happens. Like, they'll take a mugging, for example, and blow it way out of proportion just to get more money.
2: Yeah, I also have that... Sooth Hill and Wolby. So they talk about the rape representation media. So they say that in the news in 1951 under one-fourth of media reports were on rape. But in 1985, it was over a third. Wow. That's so they harsh. started to... Well, they started to show it more. Yeah, they started to it But, like, it, it like, shows it
1: just a distorted picture, though. Do you know what I always think about when I think of that? Is, like, how many people are actually afraid of plane crashes? Like, that's a genuine fear. The fear of flight is genuine. And there has been, like, more people reported that they had a fear of flying because it gets reported so much. And, like, when it gets reported, they blow it so much out of proportion, even though when you actually look at the statistics, plane crashes... First of all, A, plane crashes are really unlikely. And second of all, dying of a plane crash, also highly unlikely. Most plane crashes, they will... Like, the people will survive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Plus, like, so much more likely to die in a car. That's
1: what I'm saying, yeah.
2: But, oh, Suhail and Wolby, they also say that there's rape reports in the news... They give a distorted picture of a psycho stranger mm-hmm. uh, raping people. Meanwhile, in reality, it's the exception. Mm-hmm. And most of the victims know they're criminal. Yeah, it's
1: like, sadly enough, it's either family or close friends. Or stalkers, you know, which is also fun. Uh, what else? I've got your news values and crime yeah, me coverage. Too. Stan Cohen and Jock Young. Um, they're basically saying... Are they... Marxists, what are they? Don't ask me. Okay. Well, we don't know what they are. But they exist. And Wait, they but basically... Stan
2: Cohen... Uh, it's just that I, I confused the two Cohens, so I don't want to yeah, say mod- something wrong. Is
1: he... mod? No, he's not Mods and Rockers, is he? Or he is?
2: Well, Cohen is Mods and Rockers, but, but I'm yes, not sure if it's yeah, the yeah, same one. Yeah, whatever.
1: So Stan Cohen and Jock Young, they basically talk about the fact that news are not discovered, but more so manufactured. Meaning that the journalists don't go out and wait for something to happen, but they will spot something and then they will fabricate a story behind it that will get them more views and inevitably more money out of that as well. So news values are um, the criteria by which news stories are selected. So journalists will have a bunch of videos in front of them and obviously they need to select which ones are shown.
2: The I I can give examples of news it's like the immediacy of of the news that they have to be breaking news Mm -hmm. or um, it has to be stories about people. So that's
1: personalization. Yeah, not things get things getting stolen is very rare to be blown out of proportion. It's always if there's a victim, especially also what they do a lot is um, middle class victims with like working class or immigrant offenders that shocks the world yeah. because they're like oh, this is a safe neighborhood i would have never guessed that something like this could happen yeah. here
2: also like the news tend to show no gray no shades of gray so it's like simplification yeah that's also one of the news values
1: mm-hmm. they love violence they love risk so anything violent bloody yeah like, anything shocking will always get on the news
2: should maybe we move on to fictional representation of crime do you have mm-hmm. anything on that uh, I've
1: got Serretti, and he talks about the law of opposites, which is basically...
2: Oh, I've always read that as Oh,
1: Oh, so, yeah, probably because it's French. Cirette, Cirette, I don't yeah. know. So he basically talks about the... Do we know it's a he? They basically talk about <laughs> the fictional representations of crime and how they are basically the exact opposite of what official statistics show, and uh, similar to, like, news coverage. So if you see a cartoon, or well, cartoons maybe not the right thing, if you see a crime movie, they often show, um, um, they often show a lot of violence, a lot of drugs, sex crimes, and they're very overrepresented, uh, overrepresented because they look great on film, right? They also show that, um, f- f- fictional crimes are often the result of either greed or intense calculation rather than just anger in the moment. Domestic disputes, yeah. Exactly. Uh, fictional w- crimes are also often committed by, like, this psychopath, stranger, like, uh, a that was mentioned before, Was usually it's... Se- sex crimes are mainly committed by people who know the victims. Also, fictional cops usually, like, always solve their case. Like, you'll watch a movie, and at the end, it'll either be, like, a cliffhanger, but that's rather rare. It will always be like, oh, the smart cop finds the criminal. But there are a lot of actually unsolved cases, especially because they're not always these massive murder cases, it's small crimes but cops oftentimes, sadly, just can't be asked to deal with them
2: Yeah, and plus, like, most of the crimes are, like, not solvable, like, corporate crimes exactly. and stuff. Exactly. don't have But basically, and... what Serretta is saying is that the law of opposite, it's like the opposite of what's in official statistics, mm. but actually it's very similar to what news show, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, do we, so the main debate on media and crime it's like does media cause crime mm-hmm. uh, tea is good so <laughs> 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 she's drinking mint tea mint tea so tea. one of the main cases that media does cause crime mm-hmm. is the um, Bandura Bobo oh, study yeah. so it would argue that if your children se- yeah. copycat violent scenes if you, from you do Cums. psychology
1: you'll know the bobo doll experiment as well basic yeah. qu- quick summary kids are put in a room uh either shown videos of adults playing with toys in a violent way or playing with toys in a nice way and then they bring the toys into the room and see how the child reacts and oftentimes the child will imitate what they saw in the video so if they saw a video of an adult playing violently with those toys, they'll smash them around, throw them against walls, and start crying and throwing tantrums. Whereas if they saw a video of the adult playing with the toys in a nice way, in a calm way, they'd rather brush the doll's hair rather than throw it against the wall. So that's copycat imitation behavior. Uh, also, there's
2: like the Jamie Bulger murder case, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of sociologists on that. Do you actually? apparently barely have any. That's <laughs> because I do extra notes from the textbook. It's because she does extra work on the textbook. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was for the thirty marker. What I can't. Do which so we had
2: a thirty marker? mark on the, on the debate and I just didn't have enough notes so I just went and.
1: What? Did we do this in the book about or was it? A test? I
2: didn't. No, it wasn't book about. It was a plan. The plan of the thirty. Marker. Keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah. The so, the Newson, he argues that there is a link between watching Violet media. And the killer's action. So did you explain the Jamie Bulger case? Couldn't you would do that better than me?
1: Uh oh god, Jamie Bolger case. Right. So two young boys. I can't remember how old they were. I think they were around I think like, they were thirteen or something. No, younger. 11. I think it was like eleven and ten. Something like oh not not full blown teenagers, still children. No, right? they're like they're like children children. Yeah. Like tween tweens. 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 But yeah, um, so basically they had a long history. Both of the kids had a long history of abuse in their family, uh, absent parents. What's this? They were 11 years old and their They're names were eleve- Thompson and... Thompson. Not Thompson.
2: Thom- Thompson. Thompson. And another guy. I, I cannot read that. Venables. It's That's your handwriting. <laughs> I can't read my handwriting, but I'm not sure I, I spelled it right.
1: Whatever. So they had a long history of abuse in their family. Um, absent parents, they would often troon from school and nobody would really check up on that. They also had a long history, and now this is where the Bandura case kind of becomes important, and the the Bobo doll experiment, where people draw inspiration from that, is that they would watch a lot of violent movies. So and apparently video they games. watched
2: Child's Play. They
1: watched Child's Play, which is great horror film. If you were over eighteen, I think. I never it's watched 18 it. Eighteen plus. know um, yeah, well, because you don't watch horror movies. I They're love horror movies. It's a great film. It's it's like t- typical gore okay. and like just horror, like jump scares. That it's Okay, it's stuff nothing. Olivia would like. Sure. <laughs> but, so they watched that. They played violent video games. and um, Did they? Yeah, they did as well. And then one day, they... I don't know what exactly their relationship was to the child. But I don't think they had a relationship. Really, I, I think, think they just came up to him uh, like at a park, mall. At a mall, something like that. So they ended up um, with a... How old was that kid? Five? Four? Like... Like, under fire. Significantly younger. So they fi- they find this kid, right? And they decide to basically kidnap him in broad daylight. They walk in the streets to try and be- are basically dragging him. The kid is screaming. People, in retrospect, witnesses have come forward and said, oh, yeah, I saw the three guys, but I didn't really think much of it because maybe they were just siblings. You know, you didn't know. Also, it was different times back then. Whatever. People just kind of ignored it. So they drag this screaming helpless child into the woods and... Um, without getting too graphic here they did horrendous things they copied some of the things that they saw in child's play and did those same things to that child and it sadly resulted in that child's death um they did end up getting caught obviously put under police surveillance and they ended up in juvenile prison um where i don't are they still in there I don't think so. I think... and I, I, I did, for, for a long time. They I know go, that they've changed their
2: names and stuff. Exactly. So, the, so they've probably
1: the, been released. Yeah, they're trying to get back out into society. And what the prisons will do in that case is they'll give them new names, basically a whole new identity, because it's very dangerous to put people like that back out into society, because there are a lot of people that would literally want to kill them. And people are obviously arguing now, was it their f- fault, per se? Yes, they did kill this child, but were there other factors affecting them that led them and kind of forced their hand in a way people argue oh it was the violent video games oh it was the absent parents oh it was the alcoholism and it was the abuse in the family but others are also just flat out saying they weren't they were kids but they knew what they were doing they they saw this screaming child and decided to do horrendous things to it and eventually kill it so others believe they should be in jail forever yeah so
2: yeah. Newson says that there is a link between them watching violent media
1: mm-hmm.
2: and killing the child mm-hmm. but uh, Newborn Hegel they criticize that and say that more than a thousand studies concluded that this is not proven that there is no link between watching violent media and doing like violent stuff
1: Ooh, I've got a great quote from Shram et al I love that name any name with et al I'm like yes Beautiful. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so he basically says for some children under some conditions some television is harmful for some children under the same conditions it may be beneficial but for most children under most conditions most television is probably neither harmful nor beneficial so it's very it's all these cases that we, we talked about they're very circumstantial so it's like in that situation, yes, but oh, but this detail and that detail. And what Schramm is basically saying here is he's saying, yes, there are absurd cases and yes, they need to be talked about. They cannot be ignored. But in most cases, you can't generalize in that sense. In most cases, it's neither harmful nor beneficial. Yes, there are learning videos out there, for example, for sociology as well. There's this podcast out there, Right but there is also horror games and horror films out there. So it just really, it's a balance. You can't generalize is what he's saying. I like
2: Another argument that media is a cause of crime that media is in itself a tool for crime. Like you can groom people online, you can cyberbully, there's child pornography. Uh, mm-hmm. However, this is criticized as well because, well, media is also a tool to solve crime. For example, mm-hmm. you can film videos of crime scenes and they're like Reddit community solving crime because Mm. people are interested in it
1: did you talk about Sonia Livingstone oh yeah no she was kind of saying that so what I've got written here is people continue to view media as harmful as they view childhood as a sacred and and a time of unconditional innocence So, so that's the whole thing with the risk society as well we talked about family in A1 she's kind of playing into that and in, mm-hmm. different, in different cultures as well, there is no media that children can access, and yet there is still crime going on. So yeah. you can't really... It's a cultural thing, is what she's saying, basically.
2: Yeah, and another thing that makes media a cause of crime is that it globalizes crime. So yeah. here we have the Stan Cohen study mm-hmm. on the mods and rockers. Would you want to explain that? Uh,
1: mods and rockers, basically two more groups, they were not gangs, they were not violent gangs, they weren't involved in any, like, they were not known for being involved in any drug activities, any other gang violence, none of that. It was mainly just a style choice, a music choice, um, yeah, it was more of an aesthetic for them, right? So the mods were kind of these posh people, always in suits, slicked back hair, you know, smoking cigars, all that, whereas the rockers would ride on mopeds, listen to rock music, have spikes in their hair, all of that, right? And then so that was in the 60s. 60s, thank you. Yes. So then basically what happened is um, in a small town this is in England, right? Yeah, on
2: Easter Bank holiday, there were some minor scenes act of vandalism and a few scuffles between some mods and rockers, and the media reports over exaggerated what happened, yeah. giving an impression that K- Clacton that's the place that it happened mm-hmm. had been terrorized. We generated a moral panic with mm-hmm. hostility towards the youth groups. Mm-hmm. And before the events, the groups didn't actually see each other as rivals, and didn't identify as such as black like mods and rockers. Yeah, they were just different. However, yeah, however yeah. other you know, after the incidents, other young people started to identify with one or the other. Yeah.
1: And it and kind of got into this whole whole thing, even if you were a modder or a rocker before then, it was like, oh, we didn't see you as rivals, but now that this has happened, we need to fight to stand up for ourselves in a way even if they weren't involved they were like we have to we have to show ourselves we have to be proud to be either a mod or a rocker so they kind of got together again this was a planned date where they got together on some sort of beach can't remember which one but they got together on a beach and it it the media also knew about this so obviously everybody kind of came prepared mods and rockers both ready to fight and the media ready to film it all and then post it in the news um so that led to a large outbreak vandalism rioting all of the good spiels. Um, yeah, so
2: the main yeah. thing about Cohen is that he talks about moral panics and how the media created moral panic. However, this is criticized by Mike Robbie and Thornton who say that media reports now compared to when Cohen was writing that are they are too frequent and diverse to cause moral panics. Yeah. There's too many opinions. Yeah. Uh, so, in summary, the main applications... Of the media and crimes. So we have Benjuris Bobadol. Mm-hmm. the Jamie Bolger case. Mm-hmm. Ooh, also fake news. And but uh, did we really talk about that? I, fake news and crime? Fake news on TikTok, how it's so much easier.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. no. I get I get what but you're what saying. Did we I have, don't disagree, you remember I that, that hand-drack
2: on TikTok that we had?
1: what? Ha- uh, no. And that yeah, t- no, TikTok basically, they
2: were talking about how there was like a whole panic and a series um, of TikTok fangies. Mm-hmm. With the Nicola
1: Bully case. Yeah, because everybody can say whatever they want on TikTok, right? Freedom of speech and all that spiel. But... But so it it just says, uh, like, inaccurate things on crime. Exactly. Because people, obviously, they want views and they want likes and they want follows. So they will blow things out of proportion, just as the media does, with even bigger consequences. Because at least the media and journalists and newspapers are regulated. They cannot lie. On TikTok, people can straight out lie and fabricate whole stories... That will lead to, what, what what Cohen said: negative media coverage, self-fulfilling prophecy. All of that. Yeah. What that's have you got next? I got. That's it on media. Yeah, that's it on media and crime. I got left realists next. I have functionalism. What? Oh wait, actually, I do. My, on. there's functional. I keep talking about functionalism. Okay, it. so the main...
2: There we go. So functionalism doesn't have a lot of sociology, which... Uh does it?
1: Yeah, because the there's, big like...
2: one. Yeah, big, the big one. one. We'll give
1: you a minute. Who is it? Who is it? Durkheim. Beautiful. We love Durkheim. What's... What are his two key points? Crime is inevitable and functional. Beautiful. Now, I also got that... um I got two main kind of, like, key terms. Conscious collective... You know that, yeah. Well, because like it's it's kind of what functionals believe altogether. Not even in oh, yeah. Not even in relation to crime, but it's this kind of set of shared beliefs, same norms and values, and um, moral attitudes as well, which will become important later uh, so,
2: on. So I have like the five reasons why it's inevitable and functional. You have five. Okay, go. <laughs> One is boundary maintenance. So mm-hmm. that shows, a uh, what behavior that the crime show what behavior is unacceptable and reinforces their ideas about illegality. Mm -hmm. A second one is that crime enables social change. So sometimes public side with the criminal, indicating that there's a need to change to law. A third one is that crime enforces social cohesion. So it brings society together against the criminal. Mm -hmm. A fourth one is that crime is acting as a safety valve. So it releases the stress in society.
1: Who else talks about the safety valve? Two people Davis and Polsky. Davis and po- I just yeah. knew Polsky. Oh, well, D- Davis is the one that's oh, yeah. talking about prostitution Literally. is less. Mm, there you go. Literally. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Davis talks about prostitution is less harmful than rape, and Polsky basically saying that pornography meets sexual desires, lowering the risk of causing damage to the nuclear family. So basically, if you watch porn, you're not going to go out and cheat. And if you use a prostitute, you're not going to rape anybody. Yeah. It kind of links into the warning light theory, meaning higher rates of a certain particular crime highlight potential issues in society. So if there's higher levels of rape, for example, it kind of indicates certain things and also makes the government consider possibly changing the law. Yeah. Kind of links into the, the So whole... that's the fifth adaptation and change reason values. why crime is inevitable and functional Ding. i would like to cheers you but you do not have any tea loser <laughs> okay so the next sociologist robert merton big big boy he's got talking about so that's strain. strain theory beautiful so he's basically focusing on utilitarian crime this is crime that is focused on only obtaining money so and if you think merton you think strain theory you think money and you think american dream right? Yeah. Three big things. American dream, everybody kind of knows it, but just a quick recap. Have a nuclear family, wife and kids, middle class and job. And you're rich. No, not rich. Middle class job. You don't want to be rich. rich. Everyone you wants be, to be rich in America. Wa- yes.
2: Fair, That's the
1: There. Fair. Where would rich but you people want, come a crime? don't. Like? Girl. Please. <laughs> Please. Whatever. So he's basically saying people that don't reach the American or cannot or unable to reach the American dream in legitimate ways such as working well I like, can't really judge them because like if you don't have the right education obviously you're not gonna be able to work moving on what Merton says is if you can't reach the American dream in legitimate ways people will turn to crime or deviance to either reach that dream or to cope with not being able to reach that dream right so it's basically the strain between achieving the cultural goal He's basically saying that everybody in the whole world has that one common goal, which is the American dream. And um, it's the strain theory is talking about the strain between achieving the cultural goal and the lack of legitimate opportunities, which leads to status frustration. Um, Yeah, that's just a link to Durkheim and Anime. So Merton's typology can you give me the five key things that Sarah told me I had to know and I didn't even have to end up actually knowing them. God damn you, Sarah. Just kidding. Love you,
2: Sarah. Ah. (laughs) So there's conformity. Mm -hmm. So those are the people who conform. Mm -hmm. So they have the mainstream goals and mainstream means. So they become rich by working. Yeah. Uh, Then we have ritualism. Those are people who have the means. So they are working, but they don't, they've given up on the goal. For example, people who will stay on the same
1: salary Mm
2: -hmm. the whole life.
1: Yeah. Then we have a
2: retreatism. Basically, depressed
1: people. Just saying. <laughs> like a lot of these people are just like depressed. Moving but on. What's
2: that? What's that thing? Um, oh, I don't know how that's called in English. Whatever. So <laughs> then uh, we have retreatism. So people who retreatism. don't have. Yeah, retreat. You like
1: retreat into yourself. It's like a snail that goes into like a soul cocoon and just lies there. Again, depression. That's literally what it is. You don't have the goals, but you don't have the means either. Like you just turn to drugs and eventually kill yourself. This got really sad really quickly.
2: But then we have innovation. Ah. So they don't have the means, so they cannot, like... They don't have, maybe, the right educational work. So they will commit Mm -hmm. crime to achieve the mainstream goals. Yay, do drugs. Sell drugs. Sell drugs. Not do drugs, sell drugs. Yeah. So then, then last time, we have rebellion. They don't... They don't... They have different goals and they have different means. So it's like the environmental activists, for example. Mm -hmm. Or they have, like, goals, religion. Yeah.
1: This is not saying that... Again, remember, this is Merton's strain theory because I always kind of got a little confused because I went too into a rabbit hole if I would ever have to answer a question about this and I would AO3 and my AO3 would be, like, a whole page long because I'd be like, well, actually, no, that's wrong. That's, like, yes, we know. Even if you don't share that opinion, this is what Merton has been saying. He still believes... Everyone wants the American dream.
2: Well, no. He's, Not, he talks about the retreatist people who don't want
1: it. No, no, no. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He yeah, yeah. he's thinks everybody wants the American dream. And that's why he's calling them rebels. Because even if they have what we view as, or at least me, Napoleon, hopefully view as genuine goals. You want to be a better person. You want to um, save the environment, you know, advocate for gay rights, all that stuff. Um, you would literally be called a rebel by Merton because you're not following the American dream. Oh, I would love to be a rebel. (laughs) So, yeah,
2: evaluation. So, you've kind of said some. Yeah. Yeah, so, for example, for Dorkheim, it's outdated and uh, crime is not functional. For example, for the victims. Like, why would you say that it's functional for the victims of rape? Yeah. Um, not everyone agrees on what should be criminal. Mm-hmm. Does the consensus even exist? Mm-hmm. And most people who do experience train don't turn into crime. Like, <laughs> poor people don't do crime all the
1: time. A <laughs> Instead of a funny.
2: Next, you have the subcultural theories, which is kind of under functionalism, but it's also subcultural yeah. theories. It links more to labeling
1: theories, I feel like. I have, like, those two in the same... No, it doesn't. I have, the, yeah. I have it under functionalism. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, it's functionalism but then it's like a pyramid functionalism on top and then the next tier is subcultures and labelling no? just me? I have them different thing I have labelling like as a whole new section
2: really? interesting yeah no labelling and different they are interactions
1: you're an interactionist
2: shut up I'm not an interactionist (laughs) am I?
1: I don't don't know know. I don't know shut up shut up okay where were we right sub ooh I don't want to get my crocs on you subcultural theorists um We got Cohen, which I'm pretty sure that... Yes, this one's Albert Cohen. Stan Cohen is Martin Rockers. Albert Cohen is a subcultural theorist. We got Cloward and Olin. And we got Miller and Matta. But those are a evolution of Cohen. It's Miller and Matta evaluation. Yeah.
2: (gasps) Oh, my God. Okay, so Cohen, he talks about delinquent boys. Mm -hmm. He says the young working class boys... Oh yeah, so we young older class kind of, boys, they reacted against and opposed conventional culture due to status frustration. So the conventional forms of status are denied to them due to failure at school or at the workplace. Mm-hmm. So they seek the desire to be given status in uh, alternative ways. For example, violence, antisocial behavior, and this is known as alternative hierarchy
1: mm-hmm.
2: created by them, usually amongst their peer group and yeah and so they have deliberate reversal of accepted norms for mm-hmm. example stealing instead of hard work vandalism instead of respect mm-hmm. for property so do you want to read the evaluation point uh I got like that, that, that's plans. Miller yeah Miller and Matt said they're evaluating him are they? well I have that Miller uh, <laughs> says that lower working class have their own subculture like they're not reacting to something mm-hmm. they have their they
1: own they subculture just, they kind of just grew up with it they grow into yeah, it yeah they yeah.
2: Yeah. And Matza says that most delinquent boys were not committed to Lincoln values. For example, if you steal some like if you steal some flowers from a shop, mm-hmm. you're still committed to the good values of having bringing your mom a present for her birthday.
1: Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> what I kind of have as a 3 here is uh, the, the two points is that there's no clear distinct distinctions between the subcultures and um the participation was often only short-term. I don't really know what that means. What did I write there? To who? What? Is that to Cloud and Nolan. Uh,
2: Nolan. Yeah. That's someone. That's a whole lot of things.
1: Oh well. She will move on to Cloud and Nolan then. Oh yeah. So what they're saying is that there are three kind of types of subcultures, right? Yeah. So the first one is the criminal opportunity They're all subculture. Working yeah, all working class subcultures. All working class subcultures. Yeah. And all he's kind of linking on to Albert Cohen, all kind of looking for that alternative hierarchy. Yeah. Right? Um so the first one, the criminal opportunity subculture is basically organized adult crime in a way, you could say that. Right? Criminal subculture. Is
2: yeah. Yeah, it's like dealing drugs. Yeah. In a gang
1: to gain yeah. money cuz you want you, crime. Wants exactly. money, yeah. you want money. Yeah. Then the second one is this conflict subculture which is which is basically just gang violence yeah when you like
2: have frustration yeah so, so that's basically this is gonna. like the
1: release of the masculine yeah. testosterone you know that just all men need to release and then the retreated subculture the last one is basically just illegal drug use so this is no longer selling drugs this is no longer random acts of violence this is where you have resorted liz like the last resort you are on drugs you were hooked on drugs you are a drug addict you kind of just Plummeted yeah. Rock and bottom So the evaluation of them Look at the socks
2: that I'm wearing I know <laughs> It's amazing The evaluation of Cloward and Nolan mm-hmm. Is that Well They're very different To differentiate The subcultures Probably if you're in one of them You're in all 3 Exactly like, Probably if you're selling drugs That's
1: what my AO3 was for I was talking about Cloward and Nolan Not Albert Cohen So yeah. there's no clear distinction Between the subcultures It's like all of them kind of do everything yeah like, like if you're selling drugs you're
2: probably taking drugs and you're
1: probably involved no, in gang violence never get high on your own supply mm, I learned that from movies okay that's what they say never get high on your own supply you sell drugs you don't take them it's uh, Breaking Bad I didn't know she's Breaking Bad uh, neither did that uh <laughs> <laughs> TikTok <laughs> yeah all those little clips <laughs> <laughs> this
2: is very funny okay so then we have Miller oh yeah Walter and
1: Miller Right? Or Walter B. Miller? I don't know. I only know.
2: have Miller, so it's probably... Fair enough. Delin-
1: so, uh, lower class cultures... Um, what, what is They have they focal mean? concerns. Mm. Working class youths are routinely exposed to focal concerns. So this predisposes them towards a lifestyle of delinquency. So they're kind of like doomed from the beginning. So
2: some of the focal concerns are trouble, so they have to stay in fights. Mm-hmm. Toughness, so they have to look manly get tattoos, get big, get ripped, go to the gym. So that's also links in with smartness. They have to look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also one of the focal concerns is excitement. So they have to seek enjoyment. Uh, so they believe in fate mm-hmm. and they believe in autonomy
1: to not follow people. So the fate, that kind of threw me off at first, but it kind of makes sense. They're like, well, I'm born into this household. My dad has acted this way. He was born into it. He never got a proper job. He's working a manual job. He's an alcoholic, you know. I was kind of born into this there's no way out for me this is what I'm kind of born to do they're fatalistic Ooh, yeah.
2: yeah and so the last socialist that Hershey. I have for functions
1: in Hershey I love Hershey and so he's talking about the control theory yeah and he identifies kind of four key social bonds that prevent crime so he's not saying this is what causes crime and blah 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 but he's saying these are the four things that people believe in Oh, so, so, they the one, so they yeah, don't. So they don't crime. have crime. So the first one is what I already said: belief. This is can be their moral like, religious beliefs. Yeah, right. For example, like respect mm-hmm. and the rights of others. Yeah, respecting elders. They're not gonna mug an elderly lady. All well, that sh- must.
2: A second one is commitment. Mm-hmm. So it's commitment to conventional, to conventional activities such as work or like extra activities like I don't know. Maybe you're really into horse riding. <laughs>
1: Uh, Imagine a really ripped guy riding a little pony. Also
2: <laughs> So, yeah, that li- leads to no interest because you have too much risk. Oh, well, you don't have time, basically, to mm. commit crime yeah. if you're doing a lot of horse riding.
1: It's like the what's the theory in why women commit less crime. It's also called control theory. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at that. I did not realize that before. That's yeah. really
2: funny. Um... Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, then we have involvement. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's keeping busy. So commitment was like, you ha- don't have interest to commit mm-hmm. crime because you, it will have too much risk for
1: you. Prior commitments.
2: Yeah, but involvement, it keeps you busy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we have attachment to friends, family, community. For example, you need to be a good role model for them so you yeah. don't commit oh,
1: crime. For your younger siblings. I don't have any younger siblings. Polly does. Ah, 30 mark lot. essay plan. I found my essay plan. For which one? I don't know. Applying material from item B and your knowledge, evaluate the view that the mass media causes crime. Look at that. Yeah. And so, do I Should I
2: run through it? No, okay, we've, we've been yeah. through media. No. So, should we just
1: quickly evaluate Hershey? I got a star and an excellent Natalia. Sorry. I had to brag. <laughs> Moving on. We have eval- evaluation of labeling. Of, evaluation. I have evaluation oh, of shit. Hershey. So...
2: Oh, yeah. He suggest, it suggests that those who commit crime have broken away, but most criminals agree with uh, mainstream culture values. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're buying a roast for your your no, you're stealing a roast for your mom's mom's birthday. Mm-hmm. You're still committed to values. Yeah. Um. And also, why do some have weaker bonds than others? So he doesn't like explain that. Mm-hmm. And not everyone with weak bonds commit crime
1: yeah fair point i don't know why i started with the valuation of labeling theory that kind pissing me off
2: yeah so she would do labeling now
1: yeah sorry go go go
2: so first we have becker so the whole thing about becker is like he talks about moral entrepreneurs that go on moral crusades and create more panics Mm-hmm. And that leads to the group of individuals uh, being labeled as deviant, which leads to self-fulfilling prophecy and label becoming master status. Mm-hmm. So that leads what? to the group committing more crime. That's why he thinks that people commit crimes, because they've been labeled as criminals, so they commit more crime. Oh my
1: God. Is there chicken delivery? I think there's a new like <gasps> place where we can order Chicken. okay we've guys sorry. we've discovered no well
2: natalia i don't know how she ended up in, on just eat oh, but she ended up on yes. just eat <laughs> sorry guys and
1: there is a new place that delivers to watch oh my god okay they got burgers they got wraps they got milkshakes Do they have chicken they're all unavailable though they got oh, salad okay. they got rice box. they got drinks they got desserts they got starters. they got fried chicken okay oh my god they got fried I'm chicken so they got wings they got hot chicken wings <gasps> they got barbecue chicken wings they got bu- i don't know what what are buffalo wings they got garlic wings mango and lime wings please sweet time should we try
2: should we try to order it yeah okay great moving on i can't order right now though i can do you want to but not now why not because now we're doing a podcast
1: okay um
2: double pepperoni yeah, just the time <laughs> Sorry, over. Sorry, sorry. Okay. And so Becker, he studied mm-hmm. musicians that use marijuana. Jazz and- musicians, to be specific. I love jazz.
1: and Jazz musicians. Yeah, I love jazz as well.
2: Yes. Yeah, and so <laughs> this behavior of using marijuana did not seem a deviant amongst them, but then media came
1: after them and moral panic, blah, 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 blah. The newspapers basically described them as jazz junkies, which is a fun, cool, funky name. Not really fun if you're getting harassed about it in bars. Fun, right? Feels so so like you were a jazz junkie. <laughs> you're taking it so personal. Yeah!
2: Not my jazz musicians.
1: <laughs> I also got Lamert. Have you got Lehmert?
2: uh Yeah. So Lemert is... Uh, I, I just wanted to talk more sure. about, like, Becker. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's Young that studies, like, exactly the same thing, but in America. Mm-hmm. So he, mm-hmm. about the divan career. So he, mm-hmm. he's the same... He agrees with Becker and he just has like another example of that. Mm-hmm. So he talks about same concept as Becker but suddenly hippie marijuana users in mm-hmm. the US. So first police has and media have the derived stereotype of hippies as junkies and layabouts. Then the police action unites marijuana users, mm-hmm. making them feel as outsiders. Mm-hmm. But then, in, defel, in defense, hippies write into, write into uh, subcultures and express their difference through weird clothes and long hair.
1: And <laughs> what do you mean weird? You're literally just like a hippie. Yeah, I'm weird. I'm weird though.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't fit in. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to fit in. It's what the Sorry. textbook said. <laughs> I was, the I was not offended by down. that. I was not offended. No, I swear. <laughs> they, they say weird. Okay. And then that leads to stereotype. Thing
1: and so, fulfilling prophecy. Which we it's know confirmed. from education! Or which you should know from education. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh. Ooh. LeMert? Yes, LeMert. LeMert is a sociologist who kind of follows up on Becker and Young's research by going into more detail about the kind of primary and secondary deviants. Primary deviants um, can be defined as kind of everyday deviant acts, such as like speeding, or if you see like a fiver on the street, you're gonna pick it up right? Nobody really cares. Um, maybe a little bit better example of that. Um, Amelia told me or said this in class and she goes, when parents take out their students kind of early for, for holidays, you can actually get stopped at the airport by police. Like that is one thing that police look out for around the holiday times. They're going to have more surveillance to check and see if parents like under false pretenses being like, oh yeah, my child is sick. Let me take her out. But actually they're going like the Bahamas illegal. But not deviant because I think it's like it. illegal
2: in some countries and less illegal in other
1: countries. I'm pretty sure it's illegal in the UK because we looked it up. So, because I know, like
2: in some countries, you literally you'll get very much fined. and yeah. Germany is like
1: that as well. Well, mm. yeah, it's kind of like truanting's a big thing.
2: But what do I do? Like, I, it's it. I'm saving just playing your holidays. I'm for saving like four hundred pounds by going on a Friday than a Saturday.
1: Yeah, but if you do go on a Friday and get caught, you're gonna pay up to like two thousand pounds. So, mom's problem, we don't have that problem. We don't I thought have that mom money. Was paying for
2: the tickets anyway, but yeah, well, she's the one that chose it. Oh, for f-
1: sake. right, moving on.
2: So, this is like, cut piece. that out, Sam. I don't want to be considered a criminal.
1: <laughs> These acts are committed often, however, have no consequence if no one finds out. So, like we were talking about at the airport, if no police find out. You're not going to get fined. Nobody's going to get hurt. You're good. You are good, right? You're in the Or clear. even worse things.
2: Like, if you download child porn and nobody's going to find out, that's what the tag is worth
1: it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to use that example, but sure. If you want to go there, Polio, let's go there. Right. So, secondary deviation is the deviant acts that kind of, like, are recognized by others. So, you see someone on the street and they're kind of just, like, oh, what are they? They're brushing their teeth out in public. You're gonna notice it's gonna be weird. Right? That kind of fits more into secondary deviation. Whereas if you're walking around naked in your own house, you're good. Makes sense? Yeah. I don't know. And so, Makes yeah, that that me. the label of deviant is attached,
2: and that's like the yeah. stigma attached to the people downloading yeah. child porn. Cicero!
1: Oh, I, I love, love him. Cicero! Yeah! Love He's him. so easy to remember. He really is. God bless us so hallelujah. Yes, please. So, the law enforces and...
2: Uh, what did I write? Do
1: you want me to go?
2: Yeah, go for it. Okay. And then I'll... And then I'll <laughs> applicate it.
1: Beautiful. You, you'll applicate it. Apply it. <laughs> she will applicate it, guys. Have fun applicating Cicero. Oh, yeah. Right. So, Cicero really? studied... Cicero studied the relation between police officers and criminals. So, and uh, he found that often officers' decisions to arrest are influenced by their stereotypes about offenders. These are predestined stereotypes. He also does... He's not Canteen culture. He talks about Canteen culture. I into that as well. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Whatever. Um, aren't we great teachers, guys? Look at this. <laughs> oh, amazing. So um, this can also be defined as the typification that police, officer, uh, that police officers make. And this tip- typification can lead to the police placing their focus on specific groups that are mainly working-class and part of the BAME groups, which are black and um, ethnic minorities? BAME? Minority, ethnic groups, something like that. Uh, leading to working-class areas being watched more closely and more intensely policed. So Yeah, so he
2: studied mm-hmm. the two U.S. cities mm-hmm. where crime rates were consistently high in working-class areas rather than middle-class areas Mm -hmm. because police viewed working-class and middle-class behavior differently Mm -hmm. even if they were doing the same thing. So even if they were caught doing the same thing, police would arrest the working-class but Mm -hmm. not the middle-class.
1: Like, there were a group of teenagers hanging out around outside listening to loud music and drinking in the working-class areas that get arrested in the middle-class areas. they get a slap on the wrist, right? Um, So, Cicero's typification theory... States that um, due to labeling, police make more arrests, confirming the stereotype. This is kind of there's a fun word for it in German it's called the Teufelskreis, the devil's circle. I don't know if there's an English kind of translation for that, but it kind of means that so a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle, yeah, exactly. You can't get out of it. It's a loop, right? So because of their stereotypes. They police the areas more obviously if you're going to police an area more you are going to make more arrests regardless of whether or not there actually is more crime there and because opportunity costs look at that that's from economics if you have police officers in one area you cannot you're wasting a police officer in another area so middle class uh area is not getting is getting policed by one officer right working class area is getting policed by five the working class area And and they commit the same amount of crimes, let's assume, right? The working class area, the police officers are going to make more arrests because there are more of them to go around and observe and arrest. I'm not sure if
2: Cicero talks about how there's
1: more police, though, in uh, working class. Yeah, definitely. This typification led to the police placing their focus on specific groups. Okay. Thank you. Leading to working class areas being watched more closely. Thank you, Apolia. Right? So, and that kind of leads also into. Official statistics? I feel like. I could link it in just official statistics. You can statistics. link anything. You can link anything into anything. Not sociology. me, though. I love linking she things. Tell
2: you tell I can. I can. I love That's how that. she gets a 23 out of 30 having revised <laughs> twice before 40 This is why we're
1: doing this podcast, man. For people like me. And for people like you. And for just sociology gals and guys. Gotham was concerned with the importance of interpersonal relationships at the micro level of sociology. Micro level basically means just like looking at things under a microscope. Macro is kind of looking at all of society, micro level would be like looking at certain groups in society, if that makes sense. Um, He states that individuals who have been labeled may have to live with that social disapproval. So in his asylum study, he showed that that everyday practices would reinforce negative labels. So his asylum study basically put completely healthy people in an asylum and didn't tell anybody didn't tell any of the staff didn't tell any of the doctors that they were mentally stable and uh he just kind of left them there to do their everyday thing and uh next time he checked on them he kind of realized that they were starting to show signs of mental illnesses that they were not showing before meaning that once they had been labeled in the asylum they were treated as mental patients rather than i don't know kind of humans even yeah so he's just kinda of saying once you it's kind of like trying to prove that you're not crazy when someone's calls you crazy.
2: Yeah,
1: and drunk. Yeah, and drunk, yeah. Like when I Like <laughs> I beer. think you've had a drink tonight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: And then that's yes, should we evaluate... so golf punch should be used as like more of a evidence for Becker yeah. and Young. Yeah. Yeah. So should we evaluate labelling?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Go. So
2: it's good because it challenges the idea that de- all deviants are different from normal people. Mm-hmm. It's good because it reveals the way the crime statistics are a product of bias mm-hmm. in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. However, it removes the blame almost from the deviant. Mm-hmm. They become like a victim too, mm-hmm. victim from like self-fulfilling prophecy. No responsibility.
1: Taken by criminals. Yeah.
2: It, it also assumes that an act isn't deviant until it's labeled as such, yet mm. many know when they're doing something deviant.
1: It does not expand on the different reactions to deviants, nor where stereotypes come from in the first place. So what Cicerelle was talking about, the whole typification it's not saying he's wrong about it, it's just saying that there's no explanation to why these police officers have these negative stereotypes in the first place. Right? Yeah, it doesn't point out to the...
2: Issues of power and labeling process, yeah. like the and especially neo-Marxists do, mm-hmm. like why do people like mm-hmm. don't like working class?
1: And one evaluation that I can lit- that I always use when I forget any of the evaluations that you can genuinely use for anything other than uh, realists is that it has no real policy solutions to crime, because realists are the only ones that offer solutions. If you're kind of stuck on any different question that does not involve Realists and you cannot think of an evalu- uh, of an evaluation, be like, doesn't give any solutions. Boom, you got your marks. This isn't much consultation to the victims of crime, and just kind of gives you a good good point to talk about if you can't think of anything else. Yeah. Yay! I loved that.
2: That was a I know we did like only like one tenth. Ugh. what time is it? It is 452. We can do marxism.
0: I should get tired. I can do
2: marxism.